Good day, everyone. Uh, today's uh, guest is Etienne Rousseau, who began life as a male model and now runs one of the two or three most important production company when it comes to major uh, league fashion shows and events in Paris, Milan, and internationally. So let's begin at the beginning. How did you become an important show producer, Etienne? Good morning, Godfrey. <laughs> How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, it's an organic story, actually. It started um, in the... 80s, as you say, I started uh, modeling actually uh, early 80s, and this gave me the opportunity opportunity to uh, travel and to live in Tokyo and Hong Kong. Um, and um, so when I came back, I was doing two things, still modeling, but I also was art directing a club in Brussels. The club was like the palace, an old oh, cinema oh. from the 30s. Uh, and there was a booming of fashion mm. in, in Belgium at the time. And the six from Antwerp, as we know them, were kind of born or uh, nearly born. And uh, we got kind of close. I was with them going to London, going to Florence, working, doing a shoot with Walter von Berendonck uh, and and stuff like that. And then also started to work with Dries Van Noten as a model first. And then I was a bit selling the the, the, the collection. I was also, it was a small company. So mm -hmm. I was cooking. That was one part. And then at the club, we were very close to fashion as well. We were doing young designer uh, festival, young designer contest, mm -hmm. working with photographers to do exhibition and stuff like that. So it was very close. So when uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, actually, when Dries wanted to do his first show in Paris, he asked me if I wanted to do it. Ah. And, and, and I said that. And that's how it started. It started exactly in 1991. I actually uh, didn't. I went to Dries' second show in Paris. I'm afraid I didn't make the first one. Uh, tell me, from the beginning, what was your idea of how shows should be produced? Well... With Dries, our, you know, it, it, the, the way it started, it was a, definitely always a ping pong game. Right. Uh, um, and um, it started even before right. we did the first show, because like when we uh, were doing those little selling campaigns, whether it was in Milan or Paris mm -hmm. or London, after we would go to dinner and we would talk and say, oh, if we would do a show, we... Uh, uh, we could do this or we could do that. And so um, Dries was going, was giving a brief. He was going to that direction with the, with the collection. And then we started interacting and kind of playing this kind of game where uh, it didn't matter where the ID come from as long as it was a good ID. One of the interesting things about Dries, and which is still true, there's always a little bit of hospitality attached to his events. Very, very yeah. much. I, I, I think Dries always wanted the people oh. to feel oh. at home, sort of, oh. and then that hospitality for him is very important. And one time, it's Belgium fries. I insist oh. on Belgium <laughs> fries. Uh, one time is a beer in the summer or a glue wine or something like that. Like this, but he wants people to feel at ease and he loves to receive well, yes. 
I remember at that particular show, the, the, the one I went to, Dries, it was in a, an Indian restaurant, Passage, not that far from here. And he gave everyone, it was pre-Euro, he gave everyone a, uh, yeah. a, a, a card for 30 francs or something. And I remember, so you could eat, you could buy lunch for that. Exactly. But I actually went and got my hair cut at the time. <laughs> you did? Yes. It, it, was, a, it was amazing. There are several stories about uh, that. It's called Passage Brady. It still oui, exists. Oui. Yeah. And uh, we had to convince, as, as you yeah. know, it. Mm. With the, there was a hairdresser, there yeah. was restaurant, yeah. African Indians, there was everything in there. So we had to convince all of those little store yeah. shops to be part of it. And the way to convince them is say, Okay, we print fake money. We give the oh. guests fake money. They, 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 they can spend. go and spend on, on, on the gallery, which actually I didn't know you had the haircut, oh, well, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> but it's funny because I still remember the video oh. and there was like the, the waiters of the Indian restaurant started oh. dancing and it was unexpected. But it was nice because at the time we didn't, we just had wishes an idea and we, we didn't think it was very instinctive we wanted to have fun we wanted to share uh, emotion with the people though are they that's changing a little bit um, um, well initially you did that and then of course you graduated to much bigger brands now yes you're yes slowly at the beginning yeah. actually I was doing so at the beginning and it's interesting for oh, me because oh. I did a bit I covered a bit oh. I wouldn't say 360 but yeah. almost because I was doing the show then we were taking down the show we were building the showroom yeah. and and then I was getting uh, using the materials that you used in the show yes oh, and, oh, uh, oh, and oh. exactly and changing the the, the show oh, venue oh, into oh. the the show Room, there was the budget that there was, so uh, we had the uh, same uh. venue. And then I was getting a, a customer in the morning and a customer in um, the afternoon, and in between I would go down to the kitchen to to cook for the guests. <laughs> so we were doing. It was a small team, and we were doing everything. But I learned a lot mm. by doing that. And at the beginning, I was just working for Dries, so I was covering. So sometimes he would send me to Tokyo, say I have nobody to do the showroom. Could you please go? Or just Sharivari in New York, we have to do his little event, yeah. please, it can go. Uh, so, um, and then slowly, yes, I started to get um, Belgium designers, like young the generation after, mm. like Olivier Tesken, yeah. Angelo Figus, I Van der Voorst, yeah. yeah. and so on. And I started with them. With them, um, uh, actually, Hermès asked me to do a street casting for them that I never have done, yeah. but took my camera yeah. my uh, and went to london went to amsterdam yeah. went to brussels and to paris and we started doing that and eventually we did that and then the lighting then now, now since uh, 20 years we produce the show then Chanel came along, and then Lanvin, and all what, the others. Once again, with each designer, you're having a, 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 an interaction all the time, feeling things out to, before you work out where they want to go. Well, yes, there is definitely yeah. always. I mean, there is. We have nowadays three yeah. types of of, of customers. Yeah. So, uh, one type is basically where we have almost, I would say, almost carte blanche. Yeah. Uh, Another type, which is the biggest part of them, is where it's a ping pong game. Oh. And, and we have also a small part where we are executive producer. Yeah. And yeah. I have to name them. It's Miu Miu and Chanel, yeah. where we do not work in creation. Yeah. We produce. Yeah. And uh, for Chanel, I do uh, the scenography of the models. 
Ah, okay. okay. Yes, but the, the idea come from the house. They, they have Stéphane Lubrina in house that does an amazing work. Uh, Carl was there, now it's Virginie. So, uh, yeah. They, uh, one thing that uh, when you bring a nephew or a cousin or a date to your first fashion show, um, people are often very surprised how elaborate the fashion show can be, how much effort goes in, not just so much for money, but ingenuity and preparation and scenography. And one of the defining elements of Lanva when Albert Elbaz was making these fantastic shows was the lighting that uh, was a particularly set of... Can we talk about that? For yes, a bit? yes, yeah. we no, can. No. I mean, uh, uh, oh. yes, uh, at Villa Eugenie, we are... No. And myself, I'm in love with lighting. I always said that... Uh, uh, and that's not me saying, but I always consider that the most beautiful woman uh, with a bad lighting can look ugly and the most ugly woman in the world with a good lighting can look extremely interesting. <laughs> so it's all about it's all about lighting. Uh, and um, and yes, with Albert, actually, we uh, he pushed us to the max beyond sometimes what was uh I would say the proper lighting should be in a show, but because uh. it, we wanted to have a lot of emotion and, and we ended up creating a signature lighting yes. that you could recognize a show from Lanvin, even not knowing uh, it was Lanvin. You Absolutely. could, by the light, recognize Absolutely. it. And I'm happy that you... Uh, how, how did you do that? What was the actual technique? Well, I mean, uh, it, it's, it, it was different technique that we approached. Sometimes mm. it was... Uh, kind of very extreme, extremely precise yeah. uh, technology. And yeah. sometimes it was sort of like low key. It was yeah. depending. Yeah. But we always tried yeah. uh, with Inyas, which is the like director that I work with yeah. since yeah. over uh, 20 years, to give an identity. And we still try to do that, try to give an identity to brands with their lighting. Um, we live in an era of data um, and brands deciding things according to the information they receive. How does does that impact on you? I mean, are you uh, interacting with people in that way? Is that it, helping you make decisions aesthetically? It, it, it impacts everybody mm. that in, in our industry. I think mm. uh, you cannot, as I was saying at the beginning, it was your instinct. You say, mm. I want to do the, I want to, oh, let's do this. Yeah. And you were thinking how to do it. Yeah. You did not think or me. not as much as the consequences. Mm. Nowadays, uh, you have to think 360 of what consequences it could bring or not. So mm. it's, there is freedom, but it's not the same freedom as it was. Um, and of course, uh, I wouldn't say that we, sort of do care non-stop about that, otherwise you're driven mm. by uh, data, which is impossible. And yeah. I think uh, Carl said that he, he, he always wanted to be uh, uh, politically incorrect, which I believe oh. is still, the, which I believe it's still the way to, to go. Mm. Um, otherwise there is no longer creation in, in, in the business. And um, yeah, but it has its importance. And I think it's like, it's, Marketing uses a lot of data. Press uses a lot of data, I suppose. And yes, so we are surrounded by data, but I think we also need to push the boundaries. Do you? How do, does your work sort of 
it, you know, it's a runway show and then a showroom, but does your work continue on into the internet? Yes, for some customer it how, does. How does that happen? Well, actually, um, we see in, in what we do, we have to make sure that we give a lot of content. So a show nowadays, before a show, you had like uh, uh, the photographers mm. and a video. Yeah. That was about it. And the video yeah. was editing and you would see the video maybe one week, 10 days before. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it, it yeah. was the, the, also the people that were invited were press mm. and it was newspapers before mm. the internet revolution. It mm. was, mm. so you had newspapers, you had uh, uh, weekly, you had monthly. Magazine, and yeah. sometimes you mm. would see just the picture oh. three months later yeah, in a yeah, magazine. Yeah, so yeah. nowadays because of the influencers, because uh -huh. of internet, you see things on real time. Uh -huh. So a, um, a brand has to make sure that also they deliver the best job on, in, in, in real time. Uh -huh. So when you uh -huh. come to a, a show, sometimes you have 50 people working backstage that you don't see that are uh -huh. working on the, on the content and they make sure that uh, they have the content they need for um, the, the rest of the season, or yeah. at least for some good times for the rest of the season. So well, it, it's it it we really doing content that has to be used in several uh, time. When you take it from the reels they do at the beginning yeah, yeah, before yeah. the show to mm. uh, what they do during the show and what they do after the show. Yes, I mean I know in the old days when I worked for Women's Wear Daily. Um, you had to get your own photos, you know, we had always a photographer, or you waited until the next day. Now at Fashion Network, if I don't get a link within two or three hours, yeah. I get people to call up the PR, what's happening, why are you yeah, yeah. late? You know, it's a much more demanding schedule, you know, and and and, and that, we, we ex people expect that nowadays, it's a different world. They do, and it's wonderful because what has changed, um, mm -hmm. And with all due respect was the press, there was a kind of a diktat from the press for mm. many years, yeah. which were selecting what they would want to show or not, oh. uh, and with priorities. Mm. Well, nowadays it's on real time. So finally what it does, it goes to f directly to the final consumer, mm. which at the end of the day is the one that makes th this whole industry work oh. from the press, from the magazine, mm. from is the one that finally pays for all of that. So what's the biggest budget you've ever worked with? Do we really have to talk yeah, about yeah, money? Well, I, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's annoying because then you will, we associate that with names. Sometimes we can do a, a, a very interesting show with not so much money and sometimes, and you know, I, I prefer to take it like this. It's. Uh, not how the amount of money you have is how you spend it. Uh, <laughs> and there's a magazine about that every weekend in the New York Times, I believe. No, but see, the thing is that sometimes, and you cannot tell that before. Sometimes, for example, you can spend a million and it's not, you feel yeah. that the result doesn't show that. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you can spend 200 or 50,000. I'm not going to give numbers. It's just like this. Uh, uh, um, and, and, and the result of that feels sometimes better than say, I still don't understand how is this possible. Uh. 
it comes with maybe a supplement of emotion. Mm. I'm questioning myself a lot about that. Um, I, I think once again, if you take someone to a big show, um, they're always amazed at a brand like Chanel or Vuitton or a Dior or something, how a brand can spend five or $10 million on a 15-minute event, you know, that is immediately separated and taken apart. Do the economics always make sense? Well, again, I, 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 Carl, I heard <laughs> Carl one time said, because he was asked the question, and uh, he says, so he was asked if he, he that if was he throwing the money by the windows and he uh, say well you know if i throw the windows it goes back to the the, the main entrance <laughs> what what people need to understand is the uh, bigger the brand is uh, the I, i'd say the bigger the communication yeah. has to be because it's 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 actually worldwide brands yeah, they they're yeah, very yeah. they 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 everywhere in the world so it takes more uh budget to reach all of your uh, market that it takes with a smaller brand. What's the most complicated assignment you've been given by a designer? The next one. Oh, no. <laughs> well, give me some examples of the past. Well, there's also, like, we are uh, doing um, uh, Montclair Genius in London in February, mm -hmm. and um, in general, we and um, it's a project that we work six months in advance. Mm -hmm. Here we had two and a half months. In general, we have 10 days of loading. Mm -hmm. Here we have three days, three nights. Oh, okay. So this, and actually I have a meeting, and a huge meeting this afternoon with my team oh. to understand it's not even what we do, is how is it going to be possible to, to build it in three days and make it work in three days. So if I take of what's now, <laughs> that's the most, the, the, the biggest example I have. Okay. Where um, uh, sometimes, you know, uh, designers can be real artists, not, not all of them, but certain of, of them are. And, and sometimes their uh, brief and their record can be very ambiguous. Yes, it's yeah. it's yes. Um, I could take Martin Margiela at the yeah. time, for example. Uh, yeah. um, it uh, when we were going to oh. our first meeting of the season with him, we it it, it, it we were coming out and we say, "Oof, we what? had to." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but because there is a. What I always say is there is a normality that's different by the, the well, designer and you have to sort of like fine tune what the words normal says for him uh, uh, well, to take that like. And with Martin, we had to have two or three meetings that we could come back. And it, actually, if, if you see, it was it, it was simplicity to the to the max. But to reach that kind of thinking, you would need two or three meetings to fully understand uh, uh, where he was What at. he had in mind. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I had the good fortune to go to one of Dries' show, that legendary show in, I think it was a giant Proctor, um, uh, Pratt & Whitney factory in North Paris. Yeah, that doesn't where, exist. Absolutely. It doesn't Huge, enormous, kind of, so, kind of looked like a Soviet era factory. But even it was American capitalism. And there was a, 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 a long dining table of about 100 meters long. And at the end of it, where we ate very well, uh, we had a nice three-course meal. At the end of it, they took away the plates and the models performed on the table. It was a legendary show. Um, 
did you and you know people were ecstatic after how do you know if a show has been a success or not or if your production has worked or not okay um Actually, we had a, a lot of challenge on yeah. the, this show, so we can yeah. spend a few, as it's yeah. A, yeah. one of a kind, one for yeah. the book we can talk about. Yeah. Actually, the idea of mm. uh, of that show first was taught in the time before the yeah. show, that we say, oh, you know, we could do a, a, a show on um, on on a tablecloth, on napkin, Italian way, a spaghetti, and then the guys uh, would, uh, uh, uh. would walk on the table. Never happened, well, and then for the uh, 50th show, <laughs> so uh, uh, we're talking 50 show later, it happened for women. Uh, so, um, yeah, we looked for uh, a factory because we wanted to have a table. Actually, the table was 150 meters. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> uh, and it was 500 grass that yeah. were served exactly at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And we had like 500... Uh, in, 150 chandeliers yeah. above the table that, yeah. that flat up, yes. Um, and the challenge was also for the press because at the time people say that far, I'm not going. And uh -huh. it was not the best neighborhood uh, in the world, but that's where we found this factory that would allow us uh, to do what we wanted to do. So some people... Um, didn't come, just a few didn't come because it was like 500 people seated, mm. just a few. And I know that those few people who didn't come, a couple still regret nowadays because we knew um, that it was a success, first of all, for the applause, but the emotion yeah. that there was wow. in the room. And it was by the people that were talking about it the day um, after that we knew that we had done wow. uh, the right thing. Uh, for me, personally, we know and we've learned that perfection is impossible. And after each show, I always look back and see what I could have could change to make it better. On that show, wow. in retrospect, 20 years later, I wouldn't change anything. <laughs> Uh, I have to say, I at the time, I uh, there was a period when I used to go to uh, collections driving an old convertible. And I remember going with the buddy driving up. It was it's you know pre Google Maps trying to find this place and just about making it in down a lane in the middle of the dark. And there were like there was this thing, and we were the last people to sit down. And it's one of my ten favorite shows ever. Yeah, and, so. la, and this was called oh. it's called La Allo Chevaux. Uh, yeah, I know exactly oh, what you were talking you about. You know what I mean? So I. I I've been to 10,000 shows and it's still one of my top but, 10. You know, yeah, yeah. one thing yeah. uh, Dries is happy yeah. with, yeah. like with places yeah. like this or for Passage Brady, that he made Parisian discover places in Paris yes. he didn't know. <laughs> very important. Um, show productions are very big events and they use a lot of material and a lot of structure and they're put them together and rip them apart. So it inevitably brings up the question, how sustainable is a uh, That's, an, you know, that's uh, a very... Uh, and historically, it wasn't at all sustainable. It was a bit of a guilty party. How has that changed and what are you doing to address that? Okay, so, true. No. But... Uh, it wasn't at the beginning. Oh. Yes, it's, it's it's it would be say no. We always thought no. It wasn't. We were just doing and 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 ripping things apart. Mm -hmm. But you know, then we started working at uh, l'école des beaux arts oh. de Paris, and we were wondering with some of the stuff what could we do with them, and we started giving to school. Ah, so there was the very 
first step. Yeah. Um, and that's pre what we, pre what is around mm -hmm. since three years. Mm -hmm. So because we just wanted to, you know, we were using canvas, we were using, mm -hmm. the, so we were given. Then um, we realized that there was like in, in, in mm -hmm. a, a place called La Reserve des Arts yeah. that would be a place where you could give and they would give to theaters, they would like ah, give okay. to all of that stuff. So uh, that, was the the beginning of uh, of the thing then it became so much more serious mm. and we were talking about uh, RSE uh, responsabilité sociale oh. um, and uh, we personally hired a company that came and do a, a polaroid of our practice mm. so they interviewed all the people that had the doing in in the show whether it's lighting whether it's uh, uh, decor whatever so they did that and it took them quite a few months to just to do it. and they came to us and say okay this is your practice this is what you could change and should change so we hired them to follow us uh, to help us and then the decision was not longer to say what do you do after it was in the making and the choosing of the material and understanding how we could um, put this in the in, in the round economy one more time within the idea with, of yes, the show. Yeah. Yes, that we do. So um, give me some examples a bit but more recently. Like for example, now Dries doesn't want to doesn't he doesn't want to see one a uh, gram of carpet. So let's show there's nothing to throw away. The, there was two ah, rolls. Yes. There was two rolls of of thick papers, uh, recycled thick paper for the models to change. Normally, you put a, 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 a cheap price carpet under their feet for them to change. There was no longer since three shows. It doesn't want that anymore. Now we also find that a company, when you use carpet, they reuse it to insulate houses. Ah. So that's interesting. Um, we actually, uh, when cottons, for example, you know about your in in um, in Cairo, right? You were there. I saw you. Yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. For the men. So there, the the cotton that we use was a co Egyptian cotton. First of all, it was given to association that would make clothes for uh, people in needs for all of it. The wood that was uh, used was cut at minima that it could be recycled in the economy and mm -hmm. and used for something else mm -hmm. so it's and actually every um, brand now every company has a department and in our company we have a department we have a department and it's a very serious and it's not and it's not only about that the, uh, i think the uh, uh, re social responsibility goes further yes there's a say but it's also education it's also women uh, for one reason or another i didn't try to be better than another but in my company in 95% of the uh, workers workforce is women so we didn't we didn't wait until we say there should be a 50-50 or things like this. Uh, uh. We speak 10 languages in the company because uh. I love mixity. And I have people from, I think it's extremely interesting to have point of view that are very, very different. So 
But this maybe comes from my Sicilian background where we had the 16th civilization and I have a bit of everything in me, most probably. Uh, like um, a lot of us old heteros in the industry, you were a man who liked to hang out a little bit and dance and enjoy life. But now you've become uh, a bit of an elder statesman and you are a regular lecturer, I believe, at EFM, the Institut Francais de la Mode, which is become the kind of preeminent uh, fashion college here in uh, in Paris. Yes. Tell me about the courses you give there. Um, so it's a workshop that yeah. we do every year since four years, and I'm extremely happy. At the beginning, uh, uh, I was asked and yeah. uh, by Stéphane Warnier, uh, and uh, I say, Stéphane, I wouldn't know what to tell them. I wouldn't uh -huh. know what to say. And he came, and he came, and he came. And then one day I said, okay, I'll do it. Uh -huh. And then for me, it was like a, a revelation when I did it. I say, I felt I should have done that way before because I felt, and maybe you just said it, it's like I'm getting a little elder. And what's important is the transmission. What do we do with all the know-how? Uh -uh with the experience that you that we collected through those 30 years of work everywhere what do you do with it you don't want to bring it with you you have to transmit and um it's extremely interesting i do so what i do with them i say uh, i have like um, about 14 to 16 students that come from all over the world and we give them a um a brand name, a designer that we have, uh, uh. they can choose whatever show it uh, was. Uh. And I want them to produce mm -hmm. an invitation to choose a venue mm -hmm. to do a diff totally different show uh, communication uh. to do a party. Uh, uh. And how do they, what are they going to do with uh, all the basically uh, the, 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 Everything from Instagram to all the social media, how are they going to... 360. Exactly. Three Inclu I want them to have to do a look at 360 on a brand. But including parties, of course. Yes, there is always, there's always have to be a party or a dinner or... <laughs> to come back you know, to I, as I said, I, I come back from uh, my disco years. <laughs> um, how do you see the business evolving in the future? I mean, we've gone through this incredible internet revolution. Everything's been digitalized and the and the old media has been fairly significantly decimated. As you said previously, there used to be a diktat of magazines and, and newspapers. How do you see the future? Um, I think... There will always be, first of all, let's talk about press. They will wow. always do some press, yeah. like paper press. I think it's extremely important. Yeah. Uh, we have to separate thinkers mm. also, uh, uh, people with a huge background in journalism or in into uh, fashion history oh. than influencers. Mm. You know, for me, that these are two different leagues as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> what happened? Or to nowadays, everybody uh -huh. has a say. You, whoever you are, you can start. Whether if it's a, a, a YouTube channel or Instagram, uh -huh. and if you find the uh -huh. right thing to say, uh -huh. you will have uh, a community. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So I think that it's progress is going to progress like that. I think there will all will be a press, mm. and I hope there will all will be a press because it's interesting reading, depth. Mm -hmm. It's interesting learning, and I still love magazine, and I still collect. I love, still love paper. Although we are in a, a, a digital um, era, that's not going to stop. That's going to go. Even furthermore, maybe we're gonna have like a, mm. the, like so. Uh, um, Apple is coming uh, with uh. this 3D glasses mm. uh, thing. I'm curious because m soon we're gonna have magazine that mm -hmm. you're gonna see in 3D. So it's gonna evolve. The, the production is gonna be done in 3D, most probably the film, and all of that is gonna move extremely fast. Still, there will be. Uh, There will be paper, I think, mm, mm, mm. Uh, and I hope there will be because it's a very different thing to look mm. at a real good book or a real good magazine mm. and to see an image digital. I think digital is fantastic, because, but it's fast consuming. The, um, you know, during the pandemic, there was a whole theory uh, or even before the pandemic. First of all, was the whole theory of see now, buy now. That was the future people would make clothes and sell them instantaneously. That seems to have drifted off. There are practically no senile well, buy now photos. Yeah, I still there, have... there are elements of shows where they will sell you bits of them, but basically that it, it didn't really happen. Uh, and also in the pandemic, there was a whole theory that the future had become video, that this was not a sustainable business model, that people all got in jets and flew across the world to come to a city twice a year to see the collections. That uh, Do you think that's true? Will there be fashion seasons in the future? Because it seems to bounce back the so, season so, to normal. So, now. I mean, this is a... Those are two different... This, this is a bigger question, yeah, yeah. and I want to take yeah. a moment to, yeah. to okay. respond. Okay. Um, if, you, if you look at Airbus, they're working on a plane that is zero emission. Yeah. Okay, it's yeah. gonna take it's gonna take a bit of time, but one, one day, is, one day, one day. But oh. I think sooner than we expect. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing. Oh. So that's for the traveling. Oh. Oh. So I think that now the world is refreshing. First of all, there is a, a conscience, yeah. which is global conscience, oh. which was not. Yeah. Okay. So now everybody thinks most probably the same thing is that we have to save our environment. It's not the planet, yeah, because yeah. the planet, with or without that, is still have another 450 million before it's, 500 million years before it's extinguished, before it, it goes into ashes. So what we need to protect is ourselves and, and the human beings and the spices and the race. And so I think that there is this. So, of course, There was no, so this is, let's say, so we are animals, sorry to say it like this, and we are animals that in, like to intercon to connect. Uh, uh. And no matter how good the video are, they will never give uh, the emotion that you have into something that is life. Yeah. And people need to How are you going to do? I believe in 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 in, in the metaverse. Yeah. I believe in 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 digital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all of this are going to be elements that are going to work together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. see what it's going to be. So, uh, so it means that the people are never going to meet anymore. Because if you say there's no fashion show, you can also say there's no theater show. You can also say there's no more concert. <laughs> with, I think we have to think a, a bit more and say yes. 
we changing practice, mm. it's not going to be done in five years right. because it's 150 years that we're destroying uh, with the since the before the 1900s right. with uh, uh, when it's uh, when we started with the industrialization, industrialization yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it's it's not today. Um, so it's going to take some years, and and I hope that. Uh, I hope that in 10 years, by 2.32.35, the change will be major. We'll look back and say, wow, what we accomplished is stunning, which is nothing to be proud about. It's just we should have uh, wake up maybe in 20 years before. But still, this is it. We are and criticizing only is not a good thing. Okay. Finally, we have a lot of young listeners who... Um First of all, they want to discover the, the interesting actors of the industry, but also they, they're people who'd like to have a career in fashion and luxury in, in, in this world. What is your What are three bits of advice you would give to someone listening to this about if they wanted a career like that? Um, have a dream. Wake up with a purpose of your dream. If it's your dream, you can realize it, no matter how it is, no matter how long it, it takes. Work hard, very hard. It's not by working nine to five that you will manage to, uh, to put the, uh, a dream, uh, that your dream will come true. And I think that the last one I would say is work with your heart and your instincts. It's for me very important to be very true to oneself. I don't I don't think you can go wrong if you're true to yourself no matter what you do in life. Etienne Rousseau, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Likewise, Jeremy. <laughs>